You are listening to the Steadfast Life Podcast with Jake and Witt, where we take your questions and offer our answers. We're here to give you what you're looking for, whether that's value, entertainment, or just some laughs. Hello, and welcome back to the Steadfast Life Coaching Podcast, or welcome if this is your first time. If that's the case, my name is Jake Rail, and I am half of the coaching staff over here at Steadfast Life Coaching. And what I want to do today is something a little different. I want to actually present the gospel in sort of a roundabout but cool way. And the reason I want to do that is because Wit and I feel called to stand in the gap between the world of self-help and the teachings of Jesus Christ, kind of in between life coaching and Christianity. We believe that there are incredible tools from life coaching that can benefit our lives and that life coaching is never as effective as when it is united with the values of Christianity. So in that vein, what I want to do is I want to present a topic. I want to talk to you about overeating and I'm going to talk to you about it as a life coach. And then I want to talk to you about it as a Christian. And I want you to see what what it looks like to bridge this gap. So I have to offer a warning. This podcast is not technically about overeating. I, I am using that as an example, but it may actually offer you breakthrough and transformation and help you to stop overeating. That, that's not the intent, but, but I just want to warn you that it could happen. When we talk to clients about what do you want eating to be like for you? What do you want your experience of food to be like? There, there are a lot of times like, I just I just want to be able to have a, a cookie from time to time. I, You know, if, if my family is going out to dinner, I'd like to just be able to go out with them and uh, and decrease the amount of food that I eat. You know, like still get the pasta, still get the good stuff, but I'd, I'd just like to eat a little bit less. I'd, I'd like to just eat like a normal person. That is very common. I would like to eat like a normal person. But it turns out that when they're saying like a normal person, what they mean without knowing it is that they would like to desire food less. You see, not everyone has the same desire for food. I'm sure you've come across people who are like, just don't eat it. And you're like, how in the world do you do that? Well, they desire food less. The most clear cut example for me is is myself, not with food. Let me be really clear. I have a good desire for, for food. I do not desire alcohol though. I have no desire for it whatsoever. And so much so that on my first date with Whitney, that was all she could talk about while we were eating because she was eight months sober at the time and she was still kind of in the fight of her life, maybe a little bit on the back end to where she had been through what looking back will have been or would, I don't know how to say that, would have been her hardest times. But it was still tough and it was still sort of a, a daily struggle, a daily focus. It required a lot of intention. So we're on our date and she's asking me about if I'm going to drink, you know, what am I going to order? I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> See, I do over desire, <laughs> just not alcohol. And, uh, and so she started asking me about how much I drink. And I was like, oh yeah, not at all. I actually don't drink at all. As the date went on, it turns into this funny story about how I keep kept trying to talk about different topics. And she would just say, so you're saying you never, so when you say you don't drink, you mean just beer. And, and she just kept coming back to it. And I was kind of laughing like, wow, I didn't know at this time that she was in a journey of sobriety. I just thought she really, <laughs> she really is harping on this. But at any rate, as I, you know, life expanded and I got to know Whit more and she did share with me about the journey of sobriety. She said that one of the big friction points for her was that she um, didn't understand how someone could be married, how they could go to a wedding, be the bride and still live sober. Like that, that's just impossible. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, that's interesting. I guess they do have alcohol at weddings. 
and so I just highlight that, that on one hand, Wit was like, this is the one thing that I cannot get my head around in this life of sobriety. I think I can do it all except for this one thing is so big. I don't know how anyone does it. And for me, I was like, oh yeah, I never thought about that before. That was not a thing for me. Because I could interact with it. I could be around people who were drinking it. I could be at parties where it was everywhere. I could have it in my fridge. I could even at a wedding, I could grab some champagne and toast the bride and groom and then just put it down and go back to either telling or hearing the story that was making us all laugh. It, it just wasn't that big of a deal. And it turns out that when we're looking at really stopping overeating, if we could decrease that desire, if food was not that big of a deal, it makes everything else a lot easier. So the self-help life coach sort of philosophy on this is the desire isn't bad. It's just the over-desire. Desiring it too much leads you to eating it too much. And it's not surprising. It's not anything that's wrong with you or broken in you. There, there, there are basically three places this comes from. One is dopamine and just understanding how dopamine works, that our, our, our body's producing dopamine when we do actions that it wants us to repeat. And that a lot of the foods that we eat, especially if there's a lot of sugar, they, they release dopamine. We get pleasure from eating. We, we like it. It's Fun. It's enjoyable. Our culture sort of built around it, which is this next part. But but the idea is that we get these hits of dopamine, and so our brain is like, do it again. We're building a desire. Then the other part, like I said, is the culture. Because we want to celebrate. Well, what's an easy way to celebrate? Well, I really like celebrating with food that one time. Let's have food. That makes me feel in, in this good mood. And so that's all, that's one level. But on the other level, it's a little bit more malicious. It, there are, you know. There are people that stand to gain money, status, or power by increasing our desire for their product and then us purchasing it or praising them for creating it so well. And so those people understand that if I can, if I add a little bit more sugar, that's going to make that dopamine spike. If I make it a little prettier, then maybe people will eat it even when they're not hungry. It becomes not just food. It becomes the experience of participating in this beautiful, delightful, amazing thing that's in front of us. And, and so we sort of built this culture that, that is, it's got this mechanism in place that actually increases our desire. And then the last thing is that we don't really spend so much time on the, the long-term delayed gratification sort of process of learning to deal with our emotions, learning to handle them and build relationships with them. Instead, we like a short-term solution of just sort of pushing it aside. And so food becomes a really easy way for us to uh, kind of get distracted from whatever emotion we don't want to be feeling either in that moment or on a broad spectrum in our life. We get distracted from it and, and we get to chase a little bit of pleasure and, and just feel a little bit better in that moment. One of the things I always like to think of is uh, Bear Grylls. You ever watch that show Bear Grylls where he takes people out into the mountains and then he's always finding like grubs or worms or crickets or flies or whatever and he's like taking things and like squeezing the poop out of the bottom and then putting it in his mouth and he like chews it and he's like oh it's kind of gritty you know what I'll say or he like finds some frog and they like put it in a steak and cook it over a fire you can imagine that in that scenario 
if that was the way that you ate, you probably wouldn't over-design food. You're not like, more maggots! Can I, can I get more of these grubs and squeeze more poop out and eat them? That you really can see like, oh yeah, you know, like I would need dopamine to keep doing that because Bear Grylls is talking about sources of protein and hydration and how are we going to get over that mountain tomorrow with the fuel that we put in today. Where, where we're like, how do I make it prettier? How do I sell more of them? You know, it, it's just a different value system. And it's pretty clear, kind of obvious why we, especially Americans, would over-desire food. So the life coach solution, I'll say the good life coach solution to this one, because there's some life coaching that I'm not super impressed with. It's like accountability. It's like keep the desire and then use this life coach to like, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Did you eat it last week? Well, then don't eat it next week. And I, I kind of, you know, get that. I guess it's got some value. It's like it has no value. But that would be like saying that that a great football coach, that Bill Belichick, uh, the Bill Belichick, that the greatest offering that he had to his players was to give them the accountability to show up at practice and, and throw footballs and practice football. And that if they would just show up on time and do the things, they would win the championship. And we just know there's a little bit more to what the coach does than just accountability. So, so let me put that aside. And let's talk about a good life coach is going to take you on a journey of decreasing that desire. We're going to actually take the desire down so that you're not trying to manage your over desire. They are going to shrink it for you. Now that may seem impossible. So I'm going to give you another analogy. This one I just found hilarious because it is, uh, it's something that I heard at an event with Brooke Castillo and she compared overeating to shoplifting, which I thought was super funny that, that people who are looking at overeating, they're, they're saying like, I, I just want to manage my overeating. I, I want to, I want to overeat a little bit here and I want to put it in sort of a boundary so that I could not really decrease the desire. I don't want to take it out of my life. I, I just want to have a situation where I can deal with it appropriately and sort of contain it. And, and she's like, that's like someone coming to you and saying, yeah, I, I have an over desire for shoplifting. I just, I love, I want things and I don't want to pay for them. So I just go in there and steal them. Now, I don't really want to stop shoplifting. I, I just want to contain it. I just want to manage it. I just want to shoplift an appropriate amount. And, and her connection between the two is that the benefit isn't good. It's not natural. It's not the way things are set up to go and just steal things. Well, it's also not natural to over-desire food, to have food be on such a pedestal and have so much of our life focused on it. So you can kind of see, because you probably don't struggle with shoplifting. <laughs> if you do, I'm sure we can help with that too. But, but you can kind of see like, oh yeah, well, if I don't struggle with it, that this desire, you know, uh, balance, this in and out, this dynamic of desire and overdoing it, it kind of makes more sense. And so then we come up with all these wild solutions about how to manage our overeating by like creating foods where it's like, I feel like I'm eating, it tastes like I'm eating, but it doesn't have any calories. It's not actually doing anything for me. So I don't have to stop doing it. I can keep doing it. I'm just decreasing the consequences of what's going on here. And so she likens that to this scenario where you like come up with this whole chain of stores across the country where you, you just pay a fee to be a member of it, but then you get to go inside and steal what you want. You gotta like hide it and sneak it. You get to scratch that itch or trying to get away with it and get out with this stuff and she's like that that would be really dumb that that solution it's like trying to it's building such a big solution around something that we really shouldn't be trying to promote that we shouldn't trying to be keep on going 
we actually would rather not shoplift in the same way rather than creating pretend foods that we get to feel like we're eating food but not actually having calories or fat or they, they taste like they have sugar but they don't have sugar that rather than doing all that what if we just address this desire now the part of the three things we've got the the dopamine the culture and the the emotion escaping emotion the part that wit and i are most equipped to deal with is that third one so we do dabble in the others, but primarily what we're doing with, with clients, the way we try to help someone with their desire is we're taking a look at what if you could manage your emotion in such a way that you didn't have such a desire to escape from it? What if you could even affect sort of the circumstances and events of your life? Like you could actually build a life in the future that you liked a little bit more or at least thought better about so that you had a better experience of this life. And you could actually increase your experience of life to decrease this desire for food because you weren't trying to escape it so hard. Now, the beauty of this is that it actually is a long-term solution, even though it doesn't feel like it when I'm first saying it, because I know this, I've done this with enough clients and they're like, they're like, that, that sounds awful. That is going to be, I, I'm going to have to, if I decrease my food, if I'm decreasing the number of cupcakes, if I eat, if I decrease how often I eat cookies, I'm decreasing the joy in my life. That is not sustainable. I'm, maybe I could white knuckle that for a little bit, but eventually I'm just going to binge and I'm going to be out on this thing. But, but the question we have to look at is, is the alternative sustainable? Is it sustainable in a whole life perspective to be sort of living an unsatisfactory life, feeling unsatisfied, unfulfilled, embarrassed of your life, and then making up for that with the joy that comes from food? Is that really sustainable? So the first thing you'd want to find out is just to get a look and just call it out, just to answer that question. Is it sustainable? Is the life that I live, if I took away the food, is the life that's left, is it sustainable? And, and that honesty, it, it helps. It gives you a starting place. When you really look at that, now you know, oh, I don't even know what feeling I'm masking when I overeat. Okay, don't overeat. And I promise that feeling's going to show up. Most common one we probably hear is lonely. I, I feel lonely. And so, you know, there you go. Now you know, okay, that the journey is actually has nothing to do with food, really. The food is about adjusting what you can adjust and then learning to surrender to the parts of your life that are causing this feeling of lonely that, that feels so terrible. So when we tell a client to do this, to say, all right, if you were to not eat this food, what emotion would you have to feel? They're like, uh, deprived, I would, I would feel deprived. That's what would show up there. And that's a problem because if I'm just living my life deprived, now I'm in disordered eating where I'm, I'm trying to you know, just resist all of this food. Okay, I'll give you that. But just consider this. What if deprivation only exists because of the desire? that if the desire was gone, if you think about things that you don't desire, you don't feel deprived in not doing them. If you don't have an addiction to heroin, you don't feel deprived because you don't do heroin. And so when you start to see like, okay, what a deprivation, it's kind of like the um, withdrawal of a drug. Like you have an addiction and then you stop using it and there's a withdrawal, there's a period of time, but the deprivation is temporary. It's not forever. You're not gonna just keep feeling this deprivation because 
as long as you keep decreasing the desire. Now, if you're just fighting it, you will always feel that deprivation. Don't get me wrong. But if you are doing the work to decrease the desire, if you've got a coach on your side that's helping you decrease this desire, ultimately the deprivation will go away. Now, what's going to be left is whatever underlying emotion led to the overeating to begin with. There's another journey of dealing with that that is simple, but it's not easy. It's, it's going to be a road that you go down. However, it is going to lead to an actual lifelong solution rather than just going, I'm going to overeat, then do a diet, then overeat, and then do a diet. So the issue with desiring something when it comes to overeating is that it's you're actually going against you. You're desiring something that you are also hating. You're desiring something that's going against you as you go forward. So maybe you're listening to this and you're like, well, I've never really thought of it like that. I've never thought of desire in that way. I've never thought of over-desire. This is really insightful. And I, I, I agree. I, I didn't come up with this stuff. This is all stuff I've learned from A, coaching, but B, this world of self-help. This is common knowledge among quality weight loss, uh, weight loss coaches that are out there. But it reminds me of something else that I've heard. Let me read this to you. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. If you're led by the spirit, you are doing what you want. You're just being led to what the spirit wants. You see what's happening here? I wasn't actually talking about overeating. I was talking about desire. So let's zoom out for a little bit and let's see what's going on here in this podcast, in this rant that I've been on for the past 15, 20 minutes. We all have emotional pain because we are flawed beings. And we want relief from that emotional pain so we look for solutions and often those solutions harm our spirit. So the key is that instead of fighting against the desires of the flesh, to start leading, leaning into the desires of the spirit. That's what Paul's suggesting in, in Galatians here. But then we don't want to do that because now we're going to have to deprive our flesh and that doesn't feel good. But the truth is no. <laughs> there, there, there's a way to do this. You become reborn. You become a new creation. And that new creation is free from this obligation to the flesh, not from the desires. The desire is still there, but it's free from this obligation, the over-desire. It's free from being chained to that desire, not because this new creation is so great, but because Jesus is. And this new creation leans into the desires of its spirit, which are Jesus Christ. So what do we do? How do we do that? There are plenty of Christians who have been born again, who are a new creation, but are still struggling with the, the desire to sin, the desires of the flesh. And the answer is believe. This is a direct quote from Jesus. The work of the Father is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe that you're forgiven, 
to believe that through him you're enough, to believe that he has a plan for your life and that what you're going through right now, he will make for you. To believe that no matter where the storm has come from, whether you created the storm or it came from outside to you, if you're in his hands, it has to come through him and it becomes for you. That the reason that sometimes your desires don't match with his desires for your life is because his desires are for more for you, more than you could even imagine. That you're like, no, these are my plans. God bless my plans. And he's taking you away from the plans. And you're like, oh, no, this is a burden. It's hard to follow Jesus because now I've got all this obligation to, to be obedient and act in a certain way. And he's like, no, it's freedom. What I'm offering you is to lean in and understand the wants of your spirit and chase them. And you'll find that, that the result of that is bigger than you could have possibly imagined when you set your goal. So then the question becomes, well, how do I do that? How, how do I believe that? Because I, I, I want to actually believe that. And the answer is from the daily renewal of your mind. That believing is like playing an instrument. It, it requires constant practice. You can master it, but you never master it so well that you don't need to practice. There's this process of daily renewal and consistency. And, and just to be honest, the way that you do it is you sign up with Steadfast Life Coaching and you, you get into a life coaching program that provides you that consistent daily renewal of your mind that has these perspectives from the self-help world that expose things like what is desire really doing in our brain and our minds, but who you can also trust at the same time to take that teaching and align it to the teaching of Jesus Christ so that you can combine the two into one and have true transformation. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to that. Whit and I really appreciate it. But we don't want to just leave you there. If you're ready to make the jump from this sort of passive consumption to really taking some action towards transformation, we want to remind you that this is probably not a one and done sort of endeavor. This is something that's going to take daily renewal of your mind and some consistency. With that in mind, Whit and I have built a course called Trust You, where you can learn to trust yourself and we can walk alongside you as you build your consistency and your ability to do what you say. If that stirs something inside of you, head over to steadfastlifecoaching.com. There's a good chance it's just what you're looking for. Mm-hmm.